Okay. Welcome to the Parenting with Confidence podcast. I am your host, Teresa Alexander Inman, board certified behavior analyst and infant toddler developmental specialist. Today, I have the absolute pleasure of introducing you to Miss Molly DeFrank. She is the author of Digital Detox, the two-week tech reset for kids. She helps free families from their addictions to devices. Goodness, don't we need her. <laughs> Molly has a degree in international relations and worked as a press aide for former California governor, Arnold Schwarzenegger. These days, she's a stay-at-home mom and foster mom to six kids ages 12 and under. Miss Molly, how do you do it? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Teresa, thanks so much for having me. Oh, you are most welcome. I'm just so excited to have you here. And thank you so much for accepting my invitation. Yeah, I'm so glad. I love talking about this issue. I love helping parents. So it's definitely a passion of mine. I'm glad to be here. Awesome. And it's so needed. So I am so glad that you have ventured into this realm to be able to help parents. Yeah, I'm glad, glad to do it. Okay. So I'm just going to ask you, I mean, you and I see how bad it is, right? Oh yeah. It's oh, bad. It's really yes. bad. <laughs> Give us a little into that. Cause you've got six under 12. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So we, I detoxed my kids from all of their devices about three and a half years ago. I pulled the plug completely. And the reason for that is probably what a lot of your listeners are feeling. It's we bought in early to these devices that were sold to us. They were marketed like, oh, this will help our kids get ahead in life. This will teach them all these things. And you know, they'll be little rocket scientists. Well, one thing I didn't know, and I was, I signed up early and often. I gave my kids the tablets, let them play on my phone, all that stuff, Netflix, YouTube, you name it. And what I didn't appreciate at the time was that the people who created this technology are some of the strictest parents when it comes to screen time. So they're selling it to us. Meanwhile, they won't let their kids near it because they know what it does to them. And over time, we started seeing, gosh, their behavioral, like these meltdowns when the screen timer dinged, these, um, the inability to pay attention, what I thought was their intent focus when they're looking at the screen is actually chronic overstimulation and it is actually eroding their ability to concentrate. So if you've got kids, um, you're thinking, is this ADHD? What is going on right now? There is a good chance that they have what one psychiatrist actually calls electronic screen syndrome. So there's this, it's this situation that mimics all these other disorders, these behavioral concerns and parents are getting these things diagnosed. Well, Sometimes in a lot of situations, it's as simple as unplugging your kids, completely resetting their dopamine levels in their brain, and you can get your kids back. Wow. That sounds like a lot of work though, Miss Molly. I'm not going to lie. Sometimes it is a lot of work, but what I would say is that it's probably number one, not as much work as you think it is. And number two, it is completely worth it. So for our family, um, when we detoxed our kids, I was thinking, I told my husband, like between me and you, I can do two weeks of this thing because I'm going to have to be a camp counselor. I'm going to have to be like entertaining them, like putting on a show all the time because they're used to being entertained. Well, that was not at all what happened when we, when we broke the news to the kids, that was the hardest part. There were tears. They were upset about it. And I knew I, I could do this for two weeks. I could do it. 
Well, by the next morning rolled around, they knew not to ask. They knew it was a non-starter. So they didn't. And they just started using their imaginations. They started playing with the toys on their shelves. What do you know? Um, so a lot of families that I help report that exact thing. Gosh, my kids knew it was off the table for these two weeks. And so they didn't even ask and they started honing these interests and abilities that are actually going to benefit them in the long haul. Um, and that was really wonderful. There are some families though, I, in full disclosure that say the first couple of days are rough, mm -hmm. but once we push through that, you know, we did see light at the end of the tunnel and we, we got so much more than we put into this thing. That is amazing. And I'll say though, that is true for so much in life because our, yeah. our perception, first of all, like, oh my gosh, how are we going to ever do this? But think to when you and I were growing up, we didn't have those devices. Oh yeah, you're exactly right. And so, and sometimes we even think, well, and this is, I'm talking about myself here. I rationalized with my kids thinking, well, I played Super Mario Brothers all the time. I played Pac-Man. Like I would watch TV after school. Well, it's completely different. This is not the same thing. The devices, the games, the apps are purposefully engineered today. Today's are um, by these brilliant people who have taken what we know about how to addict people two things and they've baked addiction points into their games and they do that by exploiting our brains um the human brain releases dopamine that feel-good chemical um that neurotransmitter whenever we do anything pleasurable well they've taken what we know about dopamine and they've baked these dopamine release points into the games and apps that we're handing to our kids so the amount of dopamine that's getting released in the brain is so astronomically high it can't compare to real life so that's why if you're listening, if your kids complain of boredom, if there's not a screen involved, it's not entirely their fault. They're just experiencing this physiological difference between the dopamine released in their apps and games and the dopamine released in real life and real life can't compete. So that's why your kids are complaining about it. Also the meltdowns after screen time, you're watching a dopamine crash in real time. So it's not completely their fault. There's something else that has a hold on them. And as the parents, you are the perfect person to step in take a break, reassess, and then put technology in its right place after your two weeks. Awesome. So you're not saying never technology. You're just saying, wait, first we detox, like with anything else, right? We detox our bodies from just all kinds of things, from sugar. Because when you were saying that, I thought, oh my gosh, it sounds like brain sugar. <laughs> totally. Absolutely. And you find too, it's like, Sugar's a really great analogy because if you have ever taken sugar out of your diet for any period of time, when you work it back in some normal things that you're used to having every day, like ketchup, for example, regular ketchup that you buy, like Heinz, you taste it. If you haven't had sugar in a while, you're like, this is so sweet. My, like, I can't even handle it. But if you're used to eating it every day, you're not by it. So you're kind of just like, you know, giving your kids a fresh start, you're setting those dopamine levels back down to zero. So now they are able to enjoy um, less stimulation and they're able to troubleshoot their board and they're able to tolerate lower levels of stimulation. And frankly, that's kind of the real world. So rather than conditioning our kids to being entertained all day long, we're actually showing them, you know, when you're, when you're doing this detox for two weeks, you're giving them the skills they need to live in the real world. Like, Hey, guess what? Jobs sometimes are boring and you have to still do them <laughs> or, you know, jury duty is boring or all these things. Folding laundry is boring, but this is how life works. You can't just entertainment. Digital entertainment is not the solution to all of life's problems. And we're really helping our kids. And we show them that young. 
Absolutely. So true. And, you know, you made me think of a story that uh, a gentleman I used to volunteer with shared with me. So I live in Florida. So needless to say, hurricanes, right? And when there's been a hurricane, there is no power in a lot of cases. His granddaughter asked him if he could drive around so she could charge her phone. And she, he said, of course, he said, no, but granddad, you know, he said, absolutely not. Go out there and, you know, pick up sticks, do something, you know, be creative. Uh, we're totally. not driving around. So, yeah. you know, yeah, so it's just crazy. <laughs> Molly, have I lost you? No technology. Okay, I think you're back. <laughs> I can't hear you. Okay, there we go. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's funny you mentioned the power outage because we had one around Christmas time and my neighbors and I we were texting each other. And the one thing that everyone noticed was that all the kids loved it and they're younger. So I think it's different with teens and digital detoxes with teenagers do look a little different than with younger kids, but the younger kids in our neighborhood, the parents said that they, they actually really enjoy the time huddled around a lantern and reading stories aloud and kind of back to a simpler time. But that's what many families will report is that, you know, once you get over that hump and you commit to doing this two week detox, this digital cleanse that the kids even find it enjoyable. And that's what blew me away is that my daughter, several months later, who I think she was 10 at the time came up and said, thank you for taking our screens away. And I'm like, what? I'm sorry. What? <laughs> <laughs> and I couldn't believe it. Cause the same kids were crying when we told them about the detox. And then meanwhile, we pushed through it. And later on, they're like, gosh, I learned, like, I do so many more fun things. I spend so much more time outside. And that's, I think what it boils down to is our kids need us as parents to stand in that gap. They don't have, they don't have the ability to understand what they can get when they delay their gratification. They don't have that yet. And so that's where they need us to step in and say, no, we're not going to settle for the status quo of easy numbing out on digital entertainment. We're going to take a break and put it in its right place. And I know it's hard, but my encouragement to your listener is that you can do this thing. We've had parents from all different situations, single parents, work from home parents, all different kinds of parents, homeschool parents, um, kids with learning delays, all of these kinds of parents, you are paired with your child on purpose. It's not an accident and you have what it takes to get them through this day and age and this digital dumpster that we're all wading through together, you can do this. Absolutely. And you know, I remember um, somebody sharing, I think uh, Nair Ayal, I read his book um, and he talked about when they were reducing his daughter's screen time and they asked her how long, like how long do you think you can, you need, you know, how much screen time sorry, do you think you need? And they were thinking maybe she would see like an hour and a half and they would have been okay with that. But she said 45 minutes. And they were like, whoa, because children are tougher on themselves than we are, than we would ever be on them. And if you give them a choice, you'd be so surprised at the responses that they give you. Wow. That's really powerful. And it shows too, sometimes they just need the opportunities to observe the difference between 
having it on the table all the time and taking a break. And yeah, just like you said, you might be really surprised at what they decide that they prefer. Yes, absolutely. And to how much richer is conversation? Like, if, you know, social interaction is, I remember my husband, I went somewhere and everybody was like this. And these were all adults. And it's just like, why are we here then? Oh yeah, a hundred percent. And you know, um, I did a lot of research when I wrote the book. Um, and one of the interesting things I read was from an MIT professor named Sherry Turkle. She's done so much incredible research in, on this topic, but she said that employers are reporting that this first generation of kids. So the iPhone came out in 2007, the iPad came out in 2011, this first generation of kids who were raised staring at a screen they are struggling to make conversation. They get anxiety when it comes time to just have a conversation on the phone. Like they don't even know back and forth. They haven't had practice with that. And it's really interesting. And the other thing that you mentioned too, about people just looking at their phone, they researched this and said that even the presence of a phone out on a table, like a dinner table degrades the conversation because people don't feel they're not ready to get as vulnerable or, or go to that next level um, of depth with the people that they're with if they think that the other people around the table are distracted. So you're, you're completely spot on there. It's just eroding our ability to connect as human beings. And we need that in order to thrive. We need that. It reduces stress when we have back and forth conversation with each other and all of these things, the opportunity costs are just through the roof. Yeah, it, it, it's so sad. It really is, you know? And then too, not only is it eroding, um, the social aspect of it, but when you've got that text talk, it took me so long to figure that out. You know, people are like GM. I'm like GM. You know, I was just like, oh, good morning. Why did you use type good morning? <laughs> you know, and they're like, it's just I don't know. I think it erodes the whole like communication on a whole. It's just really sad. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And we we've taken. Um, the rich interactions between human beings that we've always had for, you know, years and years and years is the, you know, in person, the, um, the texture of body language and even those awkward lulls and silences in conversations, that's where we kind of hit the wall or say the awkward thing or all of those opportunities that we've had. And we've just turned it all one dimensional and turned, you know, good morning, I love you into GM, like that text you said. And, you know, it, it also is, the, I think the scariest thing right now too, is looking at the research coming out about teenagers and what it's doing to their mental health to be on these, these phones, these social media all the time. And, you know, it talks a little bit about the opportunity costs, but the wall street journal reported recently, they were doing a series on this and, um, ER visits for girls between the ages of 12 and 17, um, for eating disorders doubled over the course of the pandemic doubled. So our girls are struggling and the researchers dug in a little deeper and they said, what's causing this? And they saw two issues. Number one is underlying mental health. And number two was TikTok body image video exposure. Mm -hmm. And so the treatment was cognitive behavioral therapy and get off TikTok. Mm -hmm. So these, we've taken this generation of kids who, you know, historically that's when we do the work of that inner work of who am I and what's my place in this world. And that's when kids need their parents most to say, you're fully known, you're fully loved, no matter what acne, morning breath, like frizzy hair, I love you all the time. And now instead of getting that, they're out, they have to focus on putting this like 
you know, projection of who I am and perfection and, and they're judging themselves based on the amount of likes they get. And, you know, not that there's anything inherently wrong with social media necessarily. Um, but we got to think about these kids when they're going on, they're so young and, and we're seeing the data, what it does to their mental health and parents, like we have this unique opportunity to amp up our relational connection with our kids and, and show them that unconditional love. So um, it really is, I believe, an opportunity for parents to, to just dig in and roll up our sleeves. We don't have to despair. We don't have to stress out. This is why I wrote the book, because I felt like we stumbled into this solution to a problem where we amp up parental connection, give our kids an opportunity to hone their gifts and talents and watch them flourish, watch their mental health flourish. And I'm just so encouraged by it and, and how accessible it is to all kinds of families. Yeah, it's, and again, like you said, everybody can do it. Um, you made me think of a study though, where they found that children who were watching, you know, were on these devices very early in life, it actually hindered brain function. Like structurally their brains were different. And I thought, oh my gosh. So they're saying now children under three should not have access to whether it's a device or television for more than an hour a day, because it really impedes their brain function. And I thought, oh my goodness. Oh yeah. And you know, it, um, to piggyback off of that study, um, cause I really think we're just scratching the surface on the studies here. Um, but we've basically been experimenting an entire generation of kids. And there was a study they did in the nineties about television watching and in early childhood and how much it increased the risk of um, a child being diagnosed with ADHD later. Mm -hmm. And they said that for every hour over an hour per day, it increased a child's risk of um, being diagnosed with ADHD 10%. So if they watch for two hours, it's 20% risk, three hours a day, 30% risk. Well, that was in the nineties. That was before, you know, iPads and the, there was you know, now we've got the internet. Now, now there's no end to the kind of digital stimulation our kids could get. They could watch it around the clock. And so anyway, it's just really crazy. And, you know, just to encourage your listener, because this, this topic can be so full of doom and gloom. I did this. If I could go back and talk to my younger mom self, I gave my kids all of the devices. It was like, you know, I know what it's like when you wake up in the morning, we had our first three kids in three years of each other and you're, you're exhausted. You wake up on a Saturday morning and they're 545 in the morning, bright eyed. And you're like, take my phone, enjoy, turn on the TV, whatever. So I get it. And I don't want to pretend like it's not difficult, mm -hmm. but there's a better way. And there's a way to take this. Like you talked about how it's sh like sugar almost you know, we are basically feeding our kids a, sh a full plate of sugar when we do this for them. And then we're trying to squeeze in like a piece of broccoli and, and they can't really stomach it because they're so used to this, but you can completely switch that setup to where you take it all away. Now they're enjoying real food. And then you can take that sugar, that digital sugar back in, and then you enjoy it once in a while. It's not the main course anymore. And that's what the detox does is it, it shifts your mindset as parents and your kid's mindset they start to see they feel better and it's just completely doable. So in this whole world of everyone talking about the doom and gloom and all the negative effects, just know that if you feel, if you're listening to this conversation, you're thinking I've been doing it wrong. Well, welcome to the club. <laughs> welcome to the club. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you know, that's just parenting, but the good news, our kids are resilient yeah. and the brain can be rewired and it's not too late to change course. And these are good conversations to have with our kids. So, so you can do this. You can do this.
Okay, so I'm going to ask you to just kind of go back a little bit. So you said when you started, you first had the conversation with your children to say, okay, this is what's going to happen starting tomorrow. Okay. Yes. What was the next step? Okay, the next step was, first of all, I was totally afraid. I was so scared. I remember thinking, why did I do this? this is going to be so hard. And the next step was, um, we sat down and we made a list a list of ideas for screen-free fun. Because at this point, the kids, if your kids are anything like mine were, that that was their, that's their favorite thing to do. So when you take that thing away, they're like, what am I supposed to do? Um, my three oldest kids before our digital detox, their favorite hobbies were each a different video game. I thought that was normal. That's how most kids are. That's fine. That's what I thought. Well, now um, they have completely different hobbies that are really worthwhile, but it, it took that um, it takes some time and practice for them. So what, we made a list of ideas. We sat down. They, it's okay if you're doing this at home. If your kids are still in a funk, that's okay. You bring a good attitude and you say, let's just think, here are some things I did when I was a kid um, that didn't involve a screen. Let's think of ideas. What about you? What are some things you'd like to accomplish? Um, you know, we could go knock on the neighbor's door. You could go, have you been wanting to figure out how to do a cartwheel? You can practice that this during these two weeks. You know, we can get some books from the library, painting, coloring, making a Ford out of boxes. You can have a pen pal, all these ideas. And you're kind of showing them. There's a couple of reasons for this. Number one, um, we want to show our kids that they don't need something outside of their brain and their imagination. They have what they need to troubleshoot their boredom. <clears throat> but number two is you're making this list that you're going to then smack on your fridge. So when your kids during your detox complain of boredom, you say, oh, look, we already got ahead of this. Here's this handy dandy list. You can pick one of those things. And, or you could think of something new, or if you still can't think of anything, if you're complaining of boredom, I have several chores that need completion. So, you know, I've got, you can put away a load of laundry if you're still bored. And usually they figure something out pretty quick at that point. <laughs> Wow. That is really cool. And, you know, some of the things that you thought of, I never would have, you know, I was like, oh, learn to do cartwheels or, you know, just whatever. So it's just an open list, whatever. There's no, nothing's off the table as long as it's not a screen and it's, exactly. you know, it's safe. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it's, it's fun to see, um, you know, I break down the detox in the book into four simple steps. You can remember through this acronym undo. Mm -hmm. um, you're going to undo the tech trance. So number one is unplug cold Turkey two weeks. Mm -hmm. Um, that includes TV watching. Um, number two is notice your kids like never before you're studying your kids to see, and this isn't helicopter parenting. This isn't mm -hmm. like follow your kids around and be at their beck and call, but you're noticing, you actually want to give them opportunities for boredom. So you're noticing, well, where do they go when they get bored? Um, what are even their weaknesses that we can work on? Cause these are skills they need in life. So do they have very low frustration tolerance? Okay. We can, we can help improve them. Do they have, do they struggle to wait their turn during a game? Okay. Well, the solution to helping them with that, just like lifting weights at the gym is more practice with that play game, play more games, um, encourage them when you see growth. Um, so yeah, you're noticing your kids. You're also noticing like they're wired differently. So they're all uniquely gifted in certain areas with interests and skills and shortcomings. And as moms and dads, we have this incredible privilege to kind of be the wind in their sails. And so if you've got a kid who's really into painting, go get some books in the kids' nonfiction section of the library about watercolors and all, you know, get, help them be the supply 
whatever you need to supply to, to get their brains going, to keep them moving. Um, and then D was develop the list. And then, oh, that last um, part of undo is open the books. Um, the good news that we discovered during our digital detox is that you can turn any, any kid into a bookworm. And I didn't believe that before. I thought some kids like to read for fun. Some kids don't. That's just how it goes. Well, when you take it all away, all the digital entertainment, you can make any kid into a bookworm. And I can, I can hear, I, if you were skeptical of me, please know that I don't have one or two, like very docile children. <laughs> we have six kids and it's from all over the map in terms of ability and interest. So some of my kids took to reading immediately. Some of them, it took a little bit of matchmaking. So I, several trips to the library thought, well, this one's a bestseller. Do you like this? No interest. Couldn't stand it. Okay. Well, before our detox, I would have stopped there and said, he's just not into it. Okay. But I kept going and I said, well, what about like, what does he like? He's into, he loves chicken nuggets. So I checked out a book about chicken nuggets, like a chapter book. He didn't care for it. Oh my gosh. Okay. So it took like probably a couple hours cumulative before I realized, oh, the kid loves joke books. He loves nonfiction fact books and he really likes fantasy. And so now he's probably the bookwormiest kid in my whole house. So it just takes a little bit of effort, but you parents, you can help your kids um, on so many levels, whether it's their interests and in reading. And these are things that will benefit them forever. Absolutely. Wow. That, thank you. That was such rich information that parents can actually, you know, they can take action on uh, immediately. So wonderful. Now, did you ever feel like pulling out your hair in that, in that two weeks span? <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. And to, to be sure, what, uh, this isn't like a magic thing that suddenly you aren't parenting human beings <laughs> anymore. You know, like there is going to be conflict. Um, and those are actually opportunities to help your kids work through that and give them the, you know, conflict resolving skills they need. There's still sibling arguments, but the sibling fighting that we experienced after we took all the digital media away was so much more like we could actually navigate it. So if you're, if you're listening, you may notice if your kids are on the standard American screen diet, you've probably noticed that their fights are next level. They're amped up there. It's almost like something has a hold. They're just, and, and part of that is they're in fight or flight mode mm -hmm. because the adrenaline, the cortisol, those stress hormones are just flowing in those minds. If they're you know, if they're playing these video games, that's what happens. So, um, so yeah, there will be conflict, but that's the world, you know? And I think for a while we have bought into this idea that, wow, we can have like this clean sanitize, especially Instagram does this to moms. Even, you know, we think, oh, look at these pictures of these perfect homes. And, and, you know, we think, well, if we get the home, just so just so clean, the kids are quiet in the other room and that, you know, it's like quiet and peaceful and there's everything's perfect. And that's not a thing for anybody. Okay. That is not a thing. So we welcome those difficult moments as, and maybe in the difficult moment, you're not like, yes, a difficult moment. That's fine. You're normal. I'm, that's how I am too, but they are truly opportunities to give our kids the skills that they need for the rest of their lives. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and you made me think of a family who I was called to work with where they were afraid that the daughters were going to kill each other because the parents always intervened when there was a conflict. Instead of allowing them to resolve the conflict on their own, they kept intervening. So I said, listen, as long as they're not at the top of the stairs and they don't have a weapon in their hands, 
just leave them alone. And within, and actually this was like maybe two or three weeks later, I was out of the job, which was my goal. You know, wow. they're like, okay, it, it worked. We did it and it's done. And I was like, so if you allow them to, especially mm-hmm. from, you know, as young as they start developing the conflict, allow them to problem solve. You may want to give them some tools to help them, yeah. but if we don't, if we continue to intervene, first of all, we don't really get to know who our children are. Yeah. When they're behind those screens, we still don't know. We absolutely don't know who they are. And um, it's just really important to allow that. So yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up, that the conflicts are not quite as serious because their brains aren't so activated than when they are, um, you know, with those devices. So great. That should alleviate some fears for parents, I hope. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. So then once you did, so you went through the undo process and you allowed them to detox and you went through your two week period. How did you reintroduce the devices? Yeah, that's a great question. And that's so important because the families I help, they all, um, they all want technology to play some kind of role in their lives, right? We don't want to banish it all forever. Um, we just want it in its right place. It's taking up too much of the time in our home. So um, the first half of the book's about the detox. So if you're listening and you um, you want it more detail, more practical help getting through those two weeks, the first half of the book is, we'll go into great detail on that. And the second half of the book is how to make a long-term plan where technology is working for you. And what we found is that creating a posture for how we approach technology is very helpful. So in our home, that looks like we use technology to connect with each other, watching, you know, an examples of that is watching a movie. We like the Marvel movies. Um, we love Lord of the Rings. We do those together. Um, so to connect with each other or to create. So if my kids are saying, hey, we want to make have a paper airplane race. Can we watch a tutorial? We keep the computer in the kitchen. And so I can, you know, it's around, I know if there's any trouble brewing, I can see it. Um, or, you know, I want to make, make a recipe or whatever. So we use it. I don't stress out when they're, when we're using technology, I don't even count it when we're using it for those things. I don't have to tell you the minutes connecting, creating. Um, and when it comes to using technology to isolate and consume, those are kind of the stop signs for us. So a kid alone in their room on a device is not how we use technology in our home. And that posture has really changed everything. Um, you know, when I was a kid, maybe probably when you were a kid, a kid alone in their room would be okay. They're resting, they're playing, but now a kid alone in their room with any device that connects to Wi-Fi is not a safe place anymore. It's not safe. Um, they have access to everything under the sun. And so parents, we really need to be kind of mindful. It's, it's a different game. It's a different ball game now than it was when we were a kid. So, um, yeah, it's, it's all about putting it in its right place. And, um, I give parents the tools to do this and I'll, I spell that out in my book and, you know, everyone's long-term plan looks a little different. I think that's beautiful because your kids aren't the same as someone else's kids and you don't have the same outlook maybe on your family enjoys this one. That's, that's beautiful. I believe that God has purpose in that, um, in pairing parents with their kids. And so, um, you know, you, you know, your kids better than anybody else on the planet and you know how much they can handle. Um, a lot of times kids from either sometimes kids from trauma backgrounds who've had um, a lot of cortisol, um, exposure early on, they can sometimes be a little bit more, um, you know, 
the interactive screen time can have worse effects on them. So be mindful of that ADHD kids, um, screen time, interactive digital media can, um, put them into a bad place. And if you're listening, if you've got kids that fall in those categories, you're probably nodding along going, yeah, these kids, it, it affects them a little bit affects them more than my other kids. So, so it's okay to have different you know, numbers for different kids, bring your kids in on these conversations. If they're a little bit older, talk to them with humility. You know, if you can share with your kids, gosh, you know, what technology is sticky for me is, you know, this app, Instagram or TikTok. I love it in a small quantity, but when it's taking up our time to connect as a family, like I put some parameters on it for my, share those things with your kids. They'll find that really interesting and, and valuable. They see they're not alone. So, um, yeah, I love getting into this more with, and you know what, for your listener too, I just, I love what you're doing, Teresa, just helping equip parents. So, um, you know, I just want to put this offer out there. The, if, if you hear this podcast and you want a copy of the book, I actually can give you a free audiobook um, to the first person. Just mention that you heard this on um, Teresa's podcast and um, you can find me on my website, mollydefrank.com, but I'll send you a, a, a coupon for a free audiobook if you want that for the first person who reaches out. Um, and listens, but yeah, I love helping families. Awesome. Thank you. And you know, it's obvious, otherwise you would not have gone through this and you could have said, Oh, Hey, it worked for my kids. Fine. And kept it to yourself. But this is such vital information. You know, like I, when I reached out to him, like Molly parents need you. <laughs> that was, that was my body language and my, you know, just, I was just like, oh my goodness, they need you. They need you. They need you because this world is just so full of these devices and we need to detox. You know, we have to treat our brains, you know, to have the same care for our brains as we do our bodies. And um, this yeah. is so important. So thank you so much, Miss Molly. Is there any last word that you want to share before we sign off for today. Yeah. You know, I just encourage you if you're a parent or even a grandparent, you're listening, you can do this. The detox is simple and while it not maybe won't be easy, it is absolutely worth it. You will receive dividends on your investment and, um, come find me mollydefrank.com. I'm also on Instagram. You can find me. I share tips and encouragement on there. And I would love to hear from you. If you detox your kids, let me know how it goes. Awesome. Now you said they could contact you to get the free audio. Now, how do they do that? Um, on my website, there's a contact form. So the first person to reach out, I will send them a a coupon code for that. And then also if you do purchase the book, if you wanted like a hard copy, um, there it's available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, basically anywhere books are sold. Um, and I have some freebies for you. So if you come to my website, if you buy the book, come to my website, um, enter in your, you know, where you bought it. I have some free PDFs for you. How to, how to convince a skeptical spouse is in there. Um, family dinner table topics are in there all for free. Um, I, I just, I, I would love to help guide you through this thing. Oh my goodness. And thank you. Cause you're not leaving any holes, which I really appreciate because, okay, remove this, remove that, remove that. But then what do we do instead? So thank yeah. you for filling those holes, you know, including the talking at the table. That is so important. And actually studies have shown that when people, when families eat together, there's less drug use, less crime, you know, like families are more cohesive and children feel safer and they don't engage in problem behaviors to that extent. So you've taken care of it all, Miss Molly. Thank you so much. <laughs> well, thank you for having me. Oh, it's been my absolute honor. Oh my gosh. Um, I don't know. Maybe we could do this again. So what I'm going to do, I'm, 
I honestly plan on buying your book because I want to be able to go deeper with parents and maybe you and I can go deeper with questions that I will have about the book and we'll come back and have another chat. Sounds great. I'd love it. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Be yeah, well. Thanks, Teresa. Okay, take care. Bye.